This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, welcomed the UN's calls for a safety zone around the Zaporizhnia nuclear station. Europe's biggest nuclear power plant in Russian-held territory in southern Ukraine has been the site of shelling for months. Last week, 14 UN inspectors visited the site. Two have stayed on. Meanwhile, President Vladimir Putin appeared to threaten a deal allowing Ukraine's grain exports to resume via the Black Sea. Addressing the Eastern Economic Forum in Vladivostok, Mr Putin claimed that practically all of Ukraine's grain exports were being sent to the EU, rather than the poorest countries. The Biden administration announced that tech firms which receive federal funding under its new CHIPS Act will not be allowed to build any advanced technology facilities or factories in China for 10 years. The move was justified on national security grounds, amidst fears of China stealing such technology. America also wants to rebuild its own share of the global semiconductor market, now just 10%, down from nearly 40% in 1990. China's export growth slowed as global demand weakened and domestic COVID-19 lockdowns and heatwaves hit production. Exports increased by 7.1% year-on-year in August, compared with 18% in July. Import growth was also sluggish because of tepid domestic demand. Asian stock markets slumped in response. The MSCI Index of Asia-Pacific shares fell to its lowest level in two years. Germany's most energy-intensive industries, including chemical and metal production, saw a 6.9% fall in production between February and July, as sky-high energy prices bite. Germany has turned away from natural gas to generate electricity, since Russia's invasion of Ukraine imperiled its supply. The use of renewables has increased, but also generation from coal, which rose 17% in the first half of the year. Liz Truss, Britain's new Prime Minister, appointed Kwasi Kwarteng as Chancellor of the Exchequer, or Finance Minister. The son of Ghanaian immigrants, Mr Kwarteng, hitherto the Business Secretary, supports cutting taxes and regulation and has encouraged fiscal loosening to help households afford dearer energy prices. On Thursday, Ms Truss is expected to unveil a proposal to freeze average annual energy bills at about £2,500 equivalent to $2,880. They may otherwise jump by 80% in October. The subsidies could cost up to £100 billion and are expected to be paid for by borrowing. Illumina, an American biotech firm, said it would appeal against an EU ruling that bars it from acquiring Grail, a cancer screening startup. American authorities had approved the $7.1 billion deal but European regulators vetoed it on the grounds that it would stifle competition. The Financial Times reported that Illumina will argue the EU has no jurisdiction to veto a merger between two American companies. Anthony Albanese, Australia's Prime Minister, appealed to China to allow the family of Chung Lei to visit her in jail. 
Mustrong, a Chinese-born Australian journalist, has spent two years detained in China under accusation of supplying state secrets. She is awaiting the verdict of a behind-closed-doors trial in March. Many regard her as a victim of the breakdown in relations between Australia and China. And fact of the day. 65 billion euros. The minimum cost of Germany's energy bill relief package, equivalent to 1.8% of the country's GDP. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Bolsonaristas rally in Brazil. As well as the usual military parades, a fleet of tractors will lumber through Brazil's capital, Brasilia, on Independence Day on Wednesday. Farmers are just one group to show support for the country's president, Jair Bolsonaro, ahead of a heavily contested election on October 2nd. Supporters of the right-wing populist will take to the streets in other big cities, too. In Rio, Mr. Bolsonaro will meet fans on Copacabana Beach. The rallies are meant to drum up support for a president who is trailing in the polls. But Bolsonaristas mistrust the surveys. They echo their leaders' unsupported claims that the country's electronic voting system could be easily hacked. They accuse the electoral court of bias in favor of his rival, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, a leftist former president. Mr. Bolsonaro has fanned these sentiments, calling on supporters to defend transparency and liberty. In turn, they have suggested that the president call in the armed forces and clean out the Supreme Court. If political tensions boil over, the Padres could descend into violence. Another year, another iPhone. As has become the custom at Apple's annual summits in Silicon Valley, on Wednesday, the world's biggest tech firm will show off a revamped iPhone. Don't expect anything revolutionary. The newest versions of Apple's flagship will mainly have faster chips, better cameras, and bigger screens. They will probably be more expensive. The -the top-of-the-line iPhone 14 Pro Max, for instance, is expected to start at $1,199—$100 more than its predecessor. The event, which is the first in-person gathering since 2019, will probably also bring new AirPods, iPads, and Apple Watches but Apple is still mainly an iPhone company. The device accounted for nearly half of the firm's sales of $83 billion between April and June. Its smartphones now have more users in America than those with Android, Google's operating system, according to CounterPoint, a research firm. But Apple's next act is already scheduled for next year, when it is likely to release its much-anticipated mixed-reality headset. Japan's Phantom Reopening Tourists hoping to catch the tail end of summer in Japan will be disappointed. On Wednesday, the country will ease travel rules, but only a bit. Tourists will still be required to obtain visas and to book their travel through a certified agency. 
The one concession is that the tours no longer have to be guided. Citizens, permanent residents, and business visitors will gain more with fully vaccinated travelers relieved of the need to take a pre-departure PCR test. The daily cap on arrivals will rise from 20,000 to 50,000. Japan has been hyper-cautious about reopening after the pandemic. That has left it lagging behind its peers in the G7 and neighbors in Asia, many of which have started welcoming tourists more readily. Yet the closed-door policies have been overwhelmingly popular with Japanese voters. With his approval ratings sliding, Fumio Kishida, Japan's prime minister, is unlikely to take a risk on opening up more anytime soon. Reality Catches Up With Meme Stocks The GameStop hype became a parable for America's frenzied stock market. The American video game retailer made headlines last January when an investor stampede pushed its share price up roughly 20-fold in three weeks. The rally was egged on by amateur investors on social media, seeking to squeeze professional short-sellers who had bet against the company. GameStop's sudden share price volatility, exacerbated by online attention, made it the archetypal meme stock. On Wednesday, the unlikely stock market star will deliver its quarterly earnings report. GameStop is still priced at over five times its value at the start of last year, despite lackluster performance. The bricks-and-mortar business is trying to move online, but struggling to compete with behemoths like Amazon. The company also missed the boat on the crypto craze with ill-timed launches of an NFT marketplace and a digital wallet. Investors in meme stocks are guided more by hype than fundamentals, but reality always catches up eventually. As safe as houses? Like most central banks, the Bank of Canada is quickly raising borrowing costs. It is shaping up for another jump on Wednesday from 2.5% to 3.25%. Inflation has come off its recent peaks, but is still near 8%, pushed up by unsustainable wage growth and still high expectations of future inflation. But even more so than other rich countries, Canada faces acute risks from higher borrowing costs. In recent years, there has been an unprecedented housing boom. Prices are more than 300% higher, in real terms, than 2000. Higher interest rates will drive up mortgage costs, making homes less affordable and letting some of the air out of the bubbly property market. But household debt is worryingly high at 185% of disposable income. Given that backdrop, falling house prices could deal a big blow to consumer confidence and weigh on spending more generally. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, Tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com.
We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. What term is used to describe a gambling strategy where the stakes are doubled till a win is achieved? Wednesday. What is the alternative name for the stapes, a bone in the middle ear? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Queen Elizabeth I, who was born on this day in 1533. Brass shines as fair to the ignorant as gold to the goldsmiths. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.